Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Those who fail to learn from history are often doomed to repeat it. Winston Churchill said that, and so did just about every high school history teacher out there. Now, of course, history has a lot more to teach us than why we shouldn't try to establish a Fourth Reich. And history's got a lot more to reveal the dangers of communism or fascism. Today, however, we are going to take a page out of Churchill's playbook. And we're going to do that because history can, and oftentimes does repeat itself, even though it shouldn't. Well, don't let that happen. Don't let history repeat itself. Learn from Israel and rely on God. Now, to set the stage a little bit here, I want to read for you the last verse of 1 Corinthians 9. Paul says, No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The Apostle Paul exercised careful control of his mind and his body. And he did that because even for someone like Paul, the possibility of abandoning the prize was real. Paul was a sinner too. And he could walk away from his faith, and in doing so, would forfeit prize of eternal life that God had given to him. And to show just how real this possibility was, Paul is going to go on in chapter 10 to talk about a group of people who did forfeit the prize. A group of people who abandoned God and really a group of people who did that even though they had every advantage. Now God was really good to the Israelite people, wasn't he? He was with them, providing for them, all the while when they were wandering around in the wilderness. And Paul here, he's going to list a few of those blessings that God had provided. Our ancestors were all under the cloud. They had God right there with them, leading them through the wilderness, showing them where to go in that cloud of smoke and in that pillar of fire. They passed through the sea. When the Israelites were backed up at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army coming, God parted the waters, providing them safe passage away from Pharaoh, safe passage out of Egypt. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. God had raised up for the Israelites a special leader, Moses, the man who would lead them, the man who would hear their cases, the man who would preach them God's word. They all ate the same spiritual food. Even in that barren wilderness, in that desolate desert, God still provided manna and quail miraculously so that their daily bread could be provided for. They all drank from the same spiritual drink. When water became scarce, Moses struck the rock with his staff and out of it gushed clean, fresh drinking water for Israel. They had the spiritual rock accompanying them, which was Christ. All throughout their wanderings, Jesus was right there with these people, offering them his saving grace. The children of Israel got to taste and see that the Lord is good. They got to experience all of those praiseworthy deeds that God does. They had every advantage. And yet, Paul tells us, God wasn't pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. You see, that generation that came up out of Egypt, they were a wicked and rebellious generation. 
And I would guess that you probably remember some of their highlights from the books of Exodus and Numbers. There was the golden calf incident. There were several uprisings of these people against Moses, and these uprisings, well, they resulted in deadly snake attacks. They resulted in the earth being opened up and swallowing people. They resulted in plagues that wiped out thousands of people all at once. The people of Israel, they were constantly rebelling. They were always walking dangerously close to that line of destruction. And in fact, most of them never even got to enter into the promised land. All but two of them, Joshua and Caleb, perished in the wilderness. And that is a number from 600,000 fighting men at the first census that was taken. And all but Joshua and Caleb died for their rebellion. Now these people, they serve as a warning for us. These Israelite people are the people Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 10 here. And I think these Israelite people are are proof of two things for us. One is that God is serious about sin. He is going to punish it. And two, even people who have every advantage can still stumble and fall and walk away from God. Now Stephen Hawking once said, we spend a great deal of time studying history which, let's face it, is mostly the history of stupidity. Well, he's got a point, doesn't he? Look at the Israelites. They should have known better. They knew what God expected of them. They knew how God was going to deal with them when they didn't meet those expectations. And yet, time after time, these people found themselves repeating the same dumb mistakes that got them into trouble in the first place. And Paul, of course, he saw a dire warning for you and me in their terrible example. He says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Now, as you consider the Israelites' hideous history, as you consider the apostles' warning, are any red flags popping up in your life? I mean, just consider the two sins that got Israel so often, the idolatry and the complaining. Maybe you haven't set up a golden calf that you bow down to, but hey, we've still got our idols, don't we? What sort of things have been dominating your attention lately? Is it all the extracurricular activities that the kids are involved in? Could be the report that's due in a couple of weeks or the projects that you know you have coming up. Maybe it's the pandemic. We've got our idols, don't we? We've got those things that so dominate our attention and our focus that they push God out. And it's okay to think on these things, but it's not okay to let them become gods. It's not okay to let these things push the great and wonderful things that God has done out of our focus. You see, we have set up our idols. And I think that we've also learned to complain just like the Israelites did. Maybe your complaint isn't, well, Moses, how come, how come you let us out of, that, out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? But our leaders are still leading us into our deaths, aren't they? 
That's at least the impression that you'd get when you hear all the complaints in the news. That's the impression that you'd get if you heard all the complaints in the conversations that we have with our family and our friends. President so-and-so is too incompetent to lead us through a pandemic. President so-and-so doesn't care about skyrocketing crime and burning cities. Our leaders are leading us into our deaths. We've got our idols. We complain about the leaders that God has raised up for us. We are really no different than the Israelite people. And you want to know what I think is so sad about that? We've got their example. We know about their rebellions. We know how God dealt with their rebellions. And yet we still act just like they did. And you want to know what's even sadder about that? We too have a ton of advantages just like they did. We have such easy access to God's word and to the sacraments. We've got church here, we've got church online. Numerous Bible study opportunities throughout the week. I would guess that all of us probably have several copies of the Bible at home, several really good translations that we can choose from. And you know, in our country, in America, we don't have to worry about any of that. We don't have to be worried about being put in jail. We don't have to be worried that we're going to be tortured by terrorists. We have great advantages. We have great access to God's holy word. And just like Israel, we stumble and fall. So Paul warns us, the culmination of the ages has come. We're living in the end times right now. Jesus could come back at any time, and I think you know what Jesus is going to do when he does come back. He's going to judge the living and the dead. This time, however, when he judges those rebels, the bodies won't be scattered in the wilderness. The bodies of rebels will be scattered in hell. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Sin is all around us. And it's time for us to stop feeling and acting so secure in sin. It's time to stop pretending that some sins really aren't as bad as others. It's time to stop shrugging some sins off as it's not much of a big deal. It is time for us to check ourselves, to test how firm we really are standing. Now don't let history repeat itself. Learn from Israel. That about sums up the first half of 1 Corinthians 10. Now what Paul has said here, it's some pretty harsh law. And I'm going to guess that when the Corinthians first heard these words, they were probably terrified. And I'm going to guess that you and I were probably terrified too when we heard all of that. So what does Paul do? He's got one final verse that we haven't talked about yet, but I want to consider that here for just a moment. Paul closes out this section with some terrific encouragement. Encouragement that you and I definitely need, especially so that we don't become hopeless, so that we don't become depressed or fall into a pit of despair when we face trial and temptation. Paul says to us, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now you might think that it's impossible. You might think, why I struggle with this temptation and this sin every single day, and I can never seem to beat it. You might wonder why these things that you struggle with so much don't seem to present challenges for everybody else. You may wonder why you're the only person going through this. Well, all of that is just the devil talking. The devil wants you to think that you are in this alone. The devil wants you to think, he, he wants these thoughts repeating over and over again in your head, and he wants all of that because that's how he drives people to despair. Well, don't listen to the devil. Listen to Paul instead. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Common to mankind. The, the things that you struggle with, the temptations that come your way that are so difficult, they're being struggled through by other people. You're not alone. The things that give you fits day in and day out are giving fits to other people. And you know what? Other people have been able to endure. They've been able to come out on top of these things. And you can too. Here's how. Paul reminds us that God is faithful. God has never given a promise that hasn't come true. There has never been a thing that God said that didn't turn out to be 100% genuine. So when Paul says here, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, he means it. God is never going to allow Satan to come your way and tempt you with something that is going to deliver such a crushing blow that you can never return from it. God knows what you can handle. God knows what you can't handle. And he is stronger than Satan. He's not going to let Satan cross that line. And make no mistake about it, Satan is going to come and advance closer and closer to that line, and he's going to come on the attack. But when he does attack, remember this. When you are tempted, God will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Temptation doesn't have to win the day. You can endure. And you heard Jesus tell you how you can endure in the gospel. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. God sent Jesus down to earth so that he might face the devil's temptations. Something he did perfectly when he was standing there toe-to-toe -to -toe with Satan in the wilderness. God sent Jesus to the cross to wipe out the sins of anybody who has ever fallen into their temptations. Something that Jesus did when he cried out from the cross, it is finished. God sent Jesus to defeat Satan once and for all. Something that he did when he walked out of that tomb on Easter. You see, Jesus, he is the bread that gives your soul strength. He is the food that nourishes your spirit. And the soul that comes to Jesus is never going to be left wanting. The soul that comes to Jesus is never going to be hungry. The soul that comes to Jesus is never going to be thirsty. 
Jesus is the bread of life, the food from heaven that gives you strength to endure. He's the bread of life who gives you what you need to come out on top when Satan comes to get you. So rely on God. Now Paul, he, he's no jokester. He wasn't trying to pull a last one on you when he said, you cannot be tempted beyond what you can bear. He wasn't fooling around with you when he said, when you are tempted, God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Those promises are genuine. Those promises are true. And the writer to the Hebrews, he's going to address a similar issue to the one that Paul is talking about here. And he's got some really encouraging words for us. He says, because Jesus himself was tempted, he knows how and he is able to help those who are being tempted. When the day of evil comes, when Satan comes your way with that temptation that you struggle with so much, understand that Jesus was tempted too. Jesus knows the pain and the agony that the devil's tricks and traps bring into your life. And remember that Jesus came out on top. Jesus knows what it takes to defeat Satan. So approach his throne of grace with confidence, knowing that he hears, knowing that he answers, and trusting that his power and strength will overflow to you so that you too might endure, so that you too might not fall to those temptations that Satan brings your way. Now consider again why we study history and take Churchill's advice here to heart. Learn from Israel. Learn from that group of people who rebelled, even though they had everything stacked up right, even though they had every advantage. Learn from their history. And don't let that history repeat itself. Instead, rely on God. Rely on the one who defeated the tempter. Rely on the one who is going to give you power and strength to do the same. Amen. Please stand. Let's confess our faith at this time with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. To God in the form of our offering. As the offering is gathered, please do fill out the friendship registers that are being handed down the aisle. As you put your information in there, it better allows us to do what God has called us together to do. Encourage one another on toward love and good deeds.
continue with the confirmation of our new members. If you want to come forward. Brother and sister in Christ, our Lord Jesus said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. In obedience to the Lord's command, you have been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have been taught the precious truths of the Christian faith as confessed by the Evangelical Lutheran Church. You know what God has given you by his grace and what he expects of you as his dear child. You may now exercise the privilege of partaking of Holy Communion. You are here to make a public profession of your faith. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Therefore, lift up your hearts to the God of all grace and joyfully answer these questions. Do you this day, in the presence of God and of this congregation, acknowledge that in baptism, God gave you the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation? Do you reject the devil along with all his lies and empty promises? Do you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Do you believe all the books of the Bible to be the inspired word of God? Do you believe that the teaching of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, as you have learned to know it based on Luther's small catechism, is faithful and true to the Word of God? Do you intend to continue steadfast in this teaching and to endure all things, even death, rather than fall away from it? If so, answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. Will you support with your prayers, time, talents, and offerings the work our Lord has given to this congregation? If so, answer, I will, and I ask God to help me. Do you intend faithfully to conform all your life to the teachings of God's word, to be faithful in the use of word and sacrament, attending worship and Bible study regularly, studying his word at home, and in faith and action remaining true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as long as you live? If so, answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. Since it is God alone who enables us both to will and to do his good pleasure, it's right for all of us, dear friends in Christ, to call on him for these confirmands, that he would graciously complete the good work which he has begun in them. Let us therefore bow our heads and pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your great goodness in bringing your children to the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in giving them both the heart to believe and the mouth to confess his saving name. Enable them to bring forth the fruits of faith and to continue steadfast and victorious until the day comes when all who have fought the good fight of faith shall receive the crown of righteousness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Juan Figaro, as you make your confirmation promises to God and his church today, you've selected as your confirmation verse a passage that reminds you whose you are. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Welcome. Now may God the Father who created you, God the Son who redeemed you, and God the Holy Spirit who sanctifies you, keep you faithful to life everlasting. Amen. Nefertiti Taylor Figaro. As you promise faithfulness and love to God today, you've selected a verse that reminds you what your good shepherd does for you. John 10, 27 and 28. My sheep listen to my voice. 
I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Welcome. Now may God the Father who created you, God the Son who redeemed you, and God the Holy Spirit who sanctifies you keep you faithful to life everlasting. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, giver of every good gift, you have blessed us with more than we could ever deserve or even realize. Help us to appreciate the countless gifts you have given us and the truth that you are always with us even if we don't see it, even through the most difficult times. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Jesus, Lord of the church, this year you have blessed us with wonderful workers here to remind us of your presence and to help us share that truth with our community. Thank you. Thank you especially for Vicar Cox's faithfulness and friendliness, his dedication to and knowledge of the truth, and his passion for sharing it. We ask that you continue to bless him as he returns to the seminary for his senior year. Give him safe travels and continue to fashion him into a fantastic pastor and bless his ministry. Lord, in your mercy. <clears throat> Dear God, you are so good to us here at Abiding Grace. This summer, you also blessed us with summer ministry assistants, Emily and Emily, to work with us in our outreach work. Thank you for their joy and kindness that showed in everything they did. Thank you for their commitment and flexibility, their dedication and energy with which they have blessed us and their willingness to witness to you in our neighborhoods. Bless them both as they travel back to Martin Luther College for their final year of training toward the full-time public ministry. Use them powerfully in your kingdom toward the saving of many souls. Lord, in your mercy. <clears throat> Dear great physician, as several people from our congregation have gotten sick, we pray that you be with them all. Grant them quick and full recovery to health and prevent any further spread. Give peace to troubled minds and health to all. We also ask that you be with all who are battling cancer. Give them comfort, strength, and hope. And if it is your will, health. Help us all to show your love to all those suffering. Lord, in your mercy. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, who gives us every good gift and has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Let's sing our closing hymn.
Good morning again and welcome. It's great to have you here. Welcome to our, our new members, JC and Nephi. Uh, please, everybody, make sure you, you welcome them. And uh, you only have two names to learn. They've got 38, so, so share your name with them. Um, and uh, yeah, so great to have you, have you join in our work together. A uh, few things coming up. So on Thursday the 19th, so not this Thursday, but the coming Thursday, our new round of Bible information class will start. Uh, another great chance to, to get to know uh, what we believe and teach because it's all based on God's word. It's a great, uh, great, it's our new member class and it also serves as a great refresher. Uh, so if you haven't taken it yet, sign up. Uh, if you have taken it, well, maybe sign up and bring someone along with you. It's a, a, a great way to get your questions answered in God's word. So that'll be Thursday, not this Thursday, but the following one. Uh, and next Sunday, we're starting a new Bible study series on Sunday mornings, uh, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, What God's Word Says About My Body and How I Treat It. Uh, so, uh, should, be, should be interesting, a, a fun dig into God's Word. That'll be Sundays at 9.15. This Sunday, uh, Vicar will be teaching one lesson on... 2 Thessalonians 3, so um, uh, we'll do that, and then next week we'll start that four-week series on Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Uh, this Friday is the family movie night. Uh, doors open at 7.30. The youth, the youth who are helping, be there at 7 to get set up, um, and then once it gets dark, so 8-ish, uh, we'll, we'll watch the movie uh, outside, bring chairs and blanket, uh, and, if, and if you want to bring some, some money to, to pay the youth for their snacks that they'll be providing towards the next year's uh, youth camps, um, we'd love to have you for that. should be a good time. The movie is Zootopia. I don't think I've seen that one, so um, <clears throat> that's this Friday, 738. Uh, and then this Saturday at 8 a.m., Men's Bible Study. Um, tomorrow at 9.30 a.m., anyone who would like to help uh, do a, a clean and prep of the vicarage for the new guy coming on Wednesday. Um, tomorrow at 9.30, if you want to help clean, that would be wonderful. Um, and, oh, the blood drive, Sunday the 22nd. And then uh, the, our SMA, our summer ministry assistants, were supposed to be here through next Sunday. But uh, they came into contact with, with COVID and uh, quarantined and then ended up testing positive. So uh, they decided to drive home uh, rather than stay in the hotel we were putting them up at uh, while they quarantined. So um, they wrote a note. They felt very badly, but uh, um, this was their note. Dear Abiding Grace family, First of all, thank you for welcoming us into your congregation this summer and treating us like family. We're so grateful that we got the best summer job ever, serving along with y'all. Your church family has taught us many lessons that will be a valuable asset to our future ministries. It's unfortunate that our time together had to be cut short due to COVID. We wish that we would have been able to finish our, our, out our summer together, but that was not in the Lord's plan. We hope that we will see you all soon. In the meantime, we will be keeping your families and your ministry here at Abiding Grace in our prayers and close to our hearts, your sisters in Christ, the Emilies. Um, so it ended up being a double farewell Sunday, uh, and that's why I'm going to stop my announcements now and, and let someone else talk. So, uh, and if you'd like to uh, celebrate his farewell, um, uh, after the second service, we're having the, the meal here, so you're welcome to come on back for that. So, Vicar, thank you. Um, thank you for the year. Uh, we'll, I'll give you all this, the, uh, um, 
smoothie stuff at the farewell. So now I'll just let you talk. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I do appreciate that. And I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. This was a wonderful year. And I had a lot of fun working with you guys, working alongside you guys. And well, I'm, I'm just super glad for the opportunity. You guys didn't have to let me come down here, but you did. So I will be eternally grateful and thankful for you guys for that. Um, I'll say goodbye now. Um, but, you know, it's a great thought to think that even if we're separated by many, many miles or states or whatever, we're still serving the same God. We're still working together towards the same goal in his kingdom. So I will always have that in mind going forward. And I know that you guys will as well. And I want you guys to know that you will be in my thoughts and prayers forever uh, as we go on. So once again, thank you everybody. And I'm going to miss you, but it won't be the last time we, we see each other, that's for sure. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you.